Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles. Today, we've got a great one for you. It actually embodies the entire spirit of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast because today I'm sitting down with Decentraman to discuss how to start a side business and then grow that into a full-time business that is your own. And since a lot of people are stuck inside right now, a lot of these businesses are going to be businesses that you can start from the comfort of your own home. But before we get into all of that, I do just want to take care of a couple things. The first is that if you are listening on any of the podcasting platforms, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, there's a link in the description below. I suggest you head over to YouTube. Uh, this is another one of those video interviews, and it is nice to have some visual stimulation while listening to the show. Second thing is I do just want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors. The first is Roundly X. If you've been a listener, you know what these guys are about. How it works is you link your credit and debit cards, and with each purchase, they round that purchase up to the next dollar and invest that spare change into Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency if you're choosing. I've been using the service for like three months now, and I've slowly been acquiring Zcash, I believe is what I have it set to right now. Uh, but again, you can choose Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency that you want to dollar cost average into. It's very easy and it's very stress-free. Uh, it's spare change, so you don't even notice the money's gone, and you slowly accumulate over time. There's a link in the description below. I highly suggest heading over there now and linking your cards so that you can start dollar cost averaging today. The second is CoinFlex. These guys are a newer exchange on the market, uh, but I think that they are wonderful, especially for scalpers. Uh, they've got a lot of cool features that are you know, kind of geared towards the scalpers out there. Uh, like I've talked about in previous episodes, they do have some of the lowest, if not the lowest, fees in the market, depending on how much flex you own. And you can stake that flex and earn $10 USDT per thousand flex you own per month. Uh, another cool feature they've got is that you can actually just click directly into the order books to place orders. So if you're scalping, you can get in and out of trades very quickly. And then lastly, they are still running these bracket order competitions and giving away $10,000 a day. If you haven't participated yet, I highly suggest getting in on them. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, they are ending soon. And again, you do not need to be the best trader, trader to participate in these competitions. They are primarily volume-based. So... If you're looking for a new exchange, I highly suggest checking out CoinFlex. There's a link in the description below. Head on over, create an account, check it out today. Now let's get to the show with Decentraman. So Decentraman, before we really get into this entire episode on starting and growing a side business into a full-time business, 
Can you just give us a little rundown on yourself and what you were doing before you got into the crypto industry? All right, man. I'm here with uh, Decentraman. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Loving the surgical mask. We were just talking about this before we hopped on. I think this is the new trend for all of my anonymous guests. Um, so again, thank you for, for sitting down. Before we really get into the bulk of this episode, talking about creating small businesses, growing small businesses, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you were doing before you got into the crypto industry? Yeah, so um, before I got into crypto, I was in college at the time. Actually, the first time I ever heard about Bitcoin was in a nightclub in Atlanta, and someone traded me $500 cash for $500 worth of Bitcoin, which at the time was about $50, and a lot of Bitcoin and a lot of money for me. And in the future, I realized I actually uh, lost all of that, so that was nice especially when we hit all time high and I had to sit there and think about that. But before then I was, I was in college. Um, I was doing sales. Uh, I was in menswear. So I sold high end custom suits while I was in college. Um, then I ended up quitting my job to focus more on college and then subsequently dropped out of college when I realized that I was making more money doing other things than my professor who was attempting to teach me entrepreneurship and business who had never actually had a real job in his life. All he had done was gone to college. So um, that's what I was doing before crypto. That was back in about 2013. So then I really started getting back into crypto into 2000, end of 2016, early 2017, as did most of the people who are still around. And uh, did a lot of stuff before then, mainly just business development, B2B uh, sales for large businesses, things like that. Uh, first off, congratulations on finding Bitcoin so early or, you know, knowing somebody who knew about Bitcoin that early. Uh, for anyone who's bad at mental math, that 50 Bitcoin was worth close to a million dollars at the top. Um, yep. And there's some people listening to this who might not ever see that kind of money ever in their life. Uh, and you happen to lose it, which is very unfortunate, but doesn't sound like it got you down too much. You can kind of laugh and joke about it now. <clears throat> Uh, I'm really liking the fact that your college professor didn't know as much about business or wasn't making as much as you were uh, while you were in college. So he said, fuck it. Uh, that the college is a scam guys are really going to be out in force for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they definitely are. But on the side, I, I actually agree with a lot of people going to college. I think that if you pick the right college, they're not that expensive for the experience that you get and the people that you meet. Um, I think that people who go and spend $200,000 on a liberal arts degree need to just go away. <laughs> right. But other than that, I would say I'd pay my tuition every year for those experiences for the rest of my life if I could. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, for those guys going for the two hundred grand liberal arts degree, save yourself some time. Just go apply at Starbucks now. Uh, right. Just, but I, just, just sit in the bookstores. You're already going to do it. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I went to school on the beach. It was a UC. Uh, I think tuition ended up being like 15 grand a year. And the experiences that you kind of get to live through and the connections that you make really are worth it. Um, and on top of that, you are getting an education from some of some of the brightest minds, I would say, in the world, depending on what college you go to. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't we don't need to get into that whole debate. I think we're on a pretty similar page. Uh, you did talk about, you know, the fact that you've had 
or run, you know, a number of businesses in your past. Can you kind of just walk us through some of those and the varying degrees of success that you've seen? Uh, yeah, I have definitely failed a lot more than I have succeeded. Oh, same. Um, <laughs> yeah, it started uh, when I was 15 years old. I was a skateboarder. I was sponsored by a local skate shop, and I decided oh, to make T-shirts. Yep, yeah, that was fun. wasn't that great. I was decent, but, you know, nothing that I could have gone professional long-term for. But uh, we started printing T-shirts for the local uh, skate shop. Uh, me and a buddy bought a screen printing press. His forearms on it. It was in his garage. And uh, we started doing that for the skate shop, branched out, got other local businesses, started making gear and stuff for them. So at a young age, that was cool because everybody wanted to hang out and be involved with it. So I'd go to school, get off, go to the, my friend's garage, and then be 10, 12 people over there. And we're just sitting there printing shirts, free labor, everybody hanging out. I love uh, it. We made it. Yeah, I, we I made love a the, good youth, the youth getting, sorry to cut you off there. I just love the youth getting involved in something like that. You know, I had a couple of buddies. Oh, yeah. We were always coming up with these small little businesses growing up and it was always just cool to share something with them, trying to make some money in the process. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was the first real one. I used to sell candy bars out of my backpack. <laughs> Same. That was the only I feel like everyone who is a, a somewhat sex, successful entrepreneur now has sold candy and candy bars and chips out of their backpack in grade school. I feel I, like that's just a rite of passage. I have hired two people after interviewing them and them mentioning that their business endeavor started with selling candy or other just small snacks out of their backpack. Yeah. Because that's the way to go. You know, you know, when someone's young and they're doing that kind of stuff, that you're, that's a hustler. They're going to yeah. be there for life. It's, it's really awesome. And also really quick, I, uh, I was also a big skateboarder growing up. I used to buy decks off eBay and then sell yeah. them at the skate park. So blank, I'm right there with you. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to buy 20 racks of them. It's, uh, that was good. Days. Yeah. It's, it's crazy yeah. how similar our stories are. It's, it's, yeah. That's awesome. It's but yeah. So start, started with um, the screen printing business. And then I realized that the friend that I had gone into business with, which was my first failed partnership, uh, he was more worried about going off, hanging friends, doing other things. And when it got time where we actually had to work a regular amount of hours and really go after it, uh, he failed to be a part of it. So I couldn't do it on my own, um, decided to move on. I started a copywriting firm when I was 16 years old. Um, and I worked and was contracted by big organizations out of New York, mostly, um, just doing basic 500, 600 page articles online. That was when copywriting and SEO marketing started booming. And so they were just looking for anybody who could throw 500 words on a page about any given topic for a niche website. So I had a lot of success with that. I remember making upwards of a hundred dollars an hour being 16 years old. And being inside during the summer while all my friends are out playing, but I'm like, I cannot give up this income. This is insane. Um, started doing that, got bored inside, took the money I made in that, started flipping antiquities from estate auctions, uh, gold, jewelry online. That was when eBay was really big. And you could go buy entire pallets and entire showcases worth of jewelry for people who didn't know any better. And then you could go and piece them out online because everybody was only worried about the gold content at that time but these pieces that didn't have exact markings on them or weren't extremely valuable to the naked eye, you could still make a lot of money on them. Uh, I ended up taking all of that money with me to college. Um, and I was, I was working for in, you know, selling menswear at that time, full time as a manager when I was 18 years old in college, but I started going to parties and I realized that everybody 
that was anybody had these stupid sunglasses those sunglasses with the flat sides they had the colors on each side everybody wanted them um so i started printing those for fraternities and sororities and other school organizations and then i branched into paracord bracelets backpacks hats anything that you could print a logo on these people just ate up shorts even um, that was when chubbies were really big. So I would take a, I would take a press and like a vinyl press and screen printing presses and even, um, embroidery press from someone I contracted out to and brand all of these different products. And I was making more money at doing that than my professor was at that time. And that was the final straw. I had been up all night negotiating deals and I went into the classroom and I was sleeping and he called me out and I just, I walked out. Um, <laughs> that is a wonderful way. That's a wonderful way to quit right there. Oh yeah. And so uh, then I quit my job, started doing that. Um, I ventured off into very heavily into the nightlife in Atlanta. And I, I found him my first real mentor at that time. And my biggest piece of advice to anybody if you're wanting to start in business, get a mentor. It doesn't matter who they are, what they do, doesn't matter, get a mentor. Um, he taught me so many things. He brought me along. He was creating this um, like Beats styled headphone company. And he was one of the original pioneers of the silent discos, which were the stupidest thing ever created. Um, and do you know what those are? I do. Yeah, they actually do them at a lot of the music festivals I go to, and I think yeah. they're I think they're ridiculous. Like I that I, was yeah. I it's, don't it's understand. Crazy. Them. But that it, almost that entire market was created by my mentor. At the time. That's insane. Yeah, wow. I've got I've got buddies now who will throw them, you know, up in SF, up in Slow, because I'm in I'm in California, yeah. uh, and they're just oh, throwing them for that. their buddies. Yeah, they'll they'll just like head up to the mountains. They'll hand out headphones, and everyone's just yep. grooving away and. I, 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 I remember being slow. slow. They love that stuff. Um, down in uh, Alameda, they they love that stuff. The all through California, it was big. But that yeah. was years after I was involved with it. But yeah, so then the, he was the one who taught me all of the real big business endeavors. Um, I ended up going off and starting a you know headphone rental company, um, doing that kind of stuff uh, on the college scene. Then I dropped out of college and slowly kind of drifted off. Um, at that point in my life, I decided that I was a genius. And I obviously at 20 years old knew everything there was to know about <laughs> business. And uh, so I wanted to experience something completely new. So I packed up everything and I moved to Washington state for some reason. I don't know why. You know, I just did. I, I'm going through the same thing right now. I'm looking at property in Colorado, Washington. I just checked out some in Oklahoma prep property is really cheap out there compared to California. Yep. I, I I don't know why I want to move, but I'm kind of in the same boat right now. Yeah. So um, they I moved out there, changed my life. Um, I was broke as anything at one point. I was like not even. It was unnecessary. I just I had blown through all my money because I decided I wanted an experience. I could have had help from my parents, but I decided because my dad had to go through financial hardships throughout the beginning of his life that for some reason that I should experience that. And it was a great thing looking back on it. It was probably extremely stupid. And I set myself back financially for a little while, but it is what it is. And um, then I got a business to business um, job where I was managing the entirety of California for a telecommunications company. And um, I learned a lot about how to 
contact business owners and what business owners were looking for in different areas. Um, then so really, really I, quick, let me stop you really quick. Sorry, just because I know a yeah. lot of people here, you know, B two B and B two C, and they're like, I don't really know what that is. Can you just really quickly explain to my audience what business to business yeah. means? Yeah, business to business is any it makes sort sense, like when you of, say it, but like a lot of yeah. people are like, I don't really it's, know. It's any sort of transaction where one business is doing any sort of transaction with another business where they are mutually benefiting. So in my business to business, I was selling up, setting up telecommunication accounts for companies. I was getting them devices, um, making sure that they were covered wherever they were going, things like that. So on a small sense, business to business is anything. Um, even if you own a coffee shop, you go into Costco and buy stuff, that's technically business to business. But for the most part, it is a business who is primary service is to service other businesses needs. Um, so, such as distribution, um, contracting, anything like that. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry. I, sometimes I feel like I, I just have to go as bare bones as possible. And I hate to use the words, you know, dumb it down. Uh, but I know there are people out there who are listening who are like, I don't really understand that. And I just want to make it as easy for everyone to understand as possible. Uh, and for the yeah, people I, who are a I little forget bit, sometimes. No, no, it's, <laughs> Terminology. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. And, you know, there's some people out there who know exactly what you're talking about. And they're like, oh, he's going to have to dumb it down for me. But I think it's really helpful for the people who are completely new to this, who have no experience. It really just helps them kind of understand everything. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're out in Washington at this point. Um, is there any more to the story or is that kind of where you're at today? No, I, uh, I decided that I, for, I traveled all uh, during doing business to business. I traveled all across the nation. Um, I lived out of my charger. So I literally had a bag full of clothes and a charger traveled everywhere, living out of Airbnbs, hotels, things like that for the company. And, um, I had my son, I had my son. So, um, I have a four year old and Congrats. I realized that, it was time for me to stop being gone all the time and really set down roots. So I moved back to my, my home state and settled up there. And I had been in offices on the road, all of those things for so long. Um, you know, most people work retail or they work in an office building, something like that. And I wanted nothing more than to not step foot in an office. again. <laughs> I was like, I'll do literally anything to not do it. I'll go shovel mulch. I don't care, dig holes, whatever. Um, but I've also always been an outdoorsman and I saw an opportunity for a business to do trapping. And so I then ventured into the wild world of wildlife management. And that is currently what I primarily do is I deal with wild animals. Congratulations. One, you're a psychopath for all of these different businesses you have started. Uh, <laughs> but two, more importantly, you're you're a hustler. And you have that like hustle mentality. Uh, when you said, I never wanted to step foot in an office, uh, that kind of just, you know, rung a bell with me. I, after I quit, I told myself, I'm never going back. I don't care what I have to do. It's just not for me. I was not happy there. And I made that decision and it's been, you know, it hasn't been long and I'm still young and maybe I'm just being naive, but I don't think I will ever go back to an office job again in my life. Um, no, once you once you break free from that office and you realize that you're really cut from stone and that you don't need to be relying on that, you figure things out. Um, 
you know, we are not designed as people to be sitting in an office chair all day. And if anybody tells me otherwise, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> like we are supposed to be moving around, doing things, lifting things, anything but sitting in a chair, looking at a computer screen for 10 hours a day, eight hours a day, whatever you're working. Now, some people enjoy that. Those people I get. Um, I don't. I like to be outside. I like to be doing things. I like to feel an adrenaline rush. That's probably why I do one of literally the most dangerous jobs in the entire world. Yeah. See, I, I love that you understand that it is and isn't for some people. I think when I first quit my job, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel this way, is that how could anybody do that? Like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, they just need to realize what they're kind of missing out on and how they're spending their life. Uh, but I've, you know, slowly started to come to realize that, you know, everyone finds happiness in their own way. Some people are <clears throat> perfectly content sitting at a desk job, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And that's a okay. <clears throat> this, sorry, <clears throat> my throat's a little scratchy, but uh, this show isn't for those people. It's for all the other people who said that this isn't for me, or at least who want to try to break away from that. Um, and, you know, the main focus of this episode, which I want to ask you about now, is kind of businesses that you can start with little to no capital. Uh, because I think a lot of people are stuck at home right now. Uh, a lot of people have kind of realized that they're not essential at work and they're starting to get worried. And so I wanted, yeah. I wanted to have an episode where these people who are maybe living paycheck to paycheck or close to it, who want an out, uh, they want something more with their life than just, you know, being reliant on a job, uh, and being at the whim of kind of a company that can just say, Hey, you're fired tomorrow. Um, yep. so do you think you could maybe go over a couple different businesses that you think are easy enough to start up with not a lot of experience, not a lot of capital? Um, and we can just run through as many of them as you want, uh, to kind of give people and some ideas and some jumping off points to maybe start their own little side hustle or side business and then grow it into a full-time business that they are running. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I think that a lot of people, they think that they have to be caged into if you're working from home, you're on the computer and that's not true. I think that everybody needs to focus on things that you are good at and then think outside of the box and try to adapt those things. For example, if you're one of those people that you're sitting at home going crazy, watching Tiger King for 10 hours a day, and you just have to get outside, then maybe go drive for dollars. Um, driving for dollars is looking for, for most people, is looking for properties that are currently uninhabited and then passing that info on to wholesalers, real estate investors, things like that. Um, I would say that literally anybody that is listening to this within a 30 mile radius of your home, there's there is definitely properties that are dilapidated, that are abandoned. Um, you know, find those properties, find someone in your area very easily on real estate investment groups on Facebook, on Twitter, anything like that, and give them those addresses. Uh, do everything you can. They will pay you. Most people will pay a $500 bounty just for an address and a phone number or even just an address if that goes through and they, you know, they acquire that property or sell that property. Um, you can then scale that up to getting a percentage, uh, doing it all the time. And guess what? You can still get in your car and not be near people. So that's <laughs> something you can do if you can't stay inside. Other than that, 
there are so re- millions. Sorry, really quick Go on ahead. that one, because that, that's a wonderful example. I'm sure there are people who, listen, who are listening to this right now who tomorrow are going to be like, I could go do that. Uh, yep. Can we maybe just explore how you do that just a little bit more? So you're driving around, you find a yep. property. How do you know, you know, specifically that no one lives there? Have you gone up and knocked on doors? Are you calling, you know, realtors? What are you doing there? So um, what you're looking for when you're doing things like that is grass that is extremely overgrown, you know, uh, trees that are uncut. A lot of the time you can tell if a property is completely abandoned. Um, there's other things like, you know, sending a, a postcard to them, seeing if they respond, say, hey, call me. Um, most of the time, though, and most people don't know this, there are apps that you can download on your phone that will tell you when you are nearby a property, it'll show you who owns it, when they bought it, what the value is, how many acres it is, all of that stuff. Um, I will have to get you the name of some of those so you can put it in some show notes or something. I don't know it off the top of my head because it's just not something that I spend a lot of time on, but I do pass addresses because I drive around in my business all day. I pass addresses to friends in the area and they take care of that kind of stuff. And I just receive a small kickback. Um, but you know, if you do a quick Google search on geographic locating of property ownership, then you'll find something on it. Um, but you get there. Yeah. You can get their primary phone. Um, there any additional addresses that they own, things like that. And a lot of time, if you reach out to somebody who is in wholesaling or real estate investing, if you just give them an address, they'll know what to do with it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot of them, you shouldn't really even have to worry about it. So next on that list is how, how are you finding these groups? You said on Twitter, on Facebook, do you know any off the top of your head? And then my last question with this specific business uh, would be, you know, are you setting up contracts with these real estate guys saying, Hey, I'm going to get paid this much to provide this or how, how are you going through that process? Well, if, if you were just starting out, what you should do is just get on Facebook or even look up, um, you know, business development centers in your area if you if you do real estate investment group or any kind of search like that on Facebook, there is going to be someone in your area who has set up a group. Um, a lot of those things you can find on Google um, or on Facebook. Twitter's a little bit harder. I would more rely on Facebook for that because it's more prevalent there. Um, but you can get into the whole wholesaling aspect of it, and that's where you're signing a contract to lock down a property, and then you take it to investors and make you know tell them what you want to get for it. So you can get a house under consignment for say $50,000 and you can go to somebody and say, Hey, this property is available for 60,000 and you get to keep the $10,000 difference. Um, what, if you're just starting out though, what I would do is find people who are experienced in that area and pass them addresses for a kickback of generally $500. And then most of them will inevitably teach you what's going on, what they're looking for. Some of them will mentor you and, you know, get, take you under their wing to do the same thing. There are plenty of people who are in the wholesaling and even just very quick searches on the internet will give you a plethora of information to start down that road. And there are a lot of people on Twitter who sell wholesaling courses. Um, I don't know of any off the top of my head that I would directly recommend. I have not actually gone through and read any of them, so I couldn't I couldn't advise directly on that. There we go. And I, I really like that whole in with uh, the re real estate guys, sorry. Uh, and then kind of working your way into a mentorship. Cause I feel like when you first brought up mentorships, 
a lot of people are thinking, you know, how do I find a mentor? How can I get an in? Uh, and with this business specifically, which branches out into all of real estate, uh, you kind of just get an in by sending them a couple of uh, a couple of properties. Uh, you get a little kickback, and then slowly you yeah. can develop relationships. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing with finding a mentor is you got to develop relationships with people uh, before you kind of put out the feelers and then say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. Uh, and once you have that relationship set up, they're more likely to kind of take you under their wing. Yep. Okay. So that's one of probably a million different businesses you can start. Uh, you want to run through a couple more potentially? I know this is kind of, uh, you know... It might be yeah. a little bit, I'd say, boring, but I think that people out there are really looking for anything right now, and I think this is the information they're looking for. Yeah, I think that uh, social media management is going to be big. It's something that you can do from home. Businesses are fighting for money right now. Um, there are a lot of big businesses that have seen this severe decline in product sales, and they're going to look for anything that is going to give them an edge um, reaching out to smaller local businesses or even large corporations who have smaller wings of business and offering to do social media management for them is easy. Half of us are posting on Twitter nonsense all day long. Guess what? It doesn't take a whole lot to run a social media account. Look at some of the snafus you see all over the place from people who manage social media. <laughs> Not difficult to get into if you know the right people and if you know how to talk. Um, there's a lot of things like affiliate funnels. Everybody has something they're interested in talk about it and then tell people how to buy it. It's not difficult. Um, even so much as running a themed Twitter page that you once a day post a link to, you make money off of it. I made like $160 off of Amazon referral links that I completely forgot about until I went to buy a new keyboard because I just copy and paste links from Amazon on things that I'm talking about randomly on Twitter. I just post stuff. Um, you can do remote worker setup, dispatch, companies that are out there like service-based industries that I'm in. Um, I pay someone to sit there and take phone calls. Guess what? They're sitting at home taking phone calls. I don't want to talk to everybody who calls into my business. I don't have time for it. But what I do need for them to do is screen those phone calls. They get paid a whole lot of money to sit at home and do whatever else they want while they're waiting for a phone to ring. Um, you can do so business with, development. Sorry, with that one specifically, um, is that just something that you posted on, say, Craigslist or some job site that somebody found and contacted you? Or did somebody reach out to you at some point and say, hey, I would like to screen calls for you? Uh, because I think I think a lot of my audience or at least a lot of people who are looking to do work from home kind of stuff have been on Monster, have been on Indeed, have been on Craigslist, and they're scrolling through countless posts uh, so is there mm -hmm. any way to kind of filter through the nonsense and kind of work your way towards one of those jobs a little bit more easily? Um, yes and no. Um, right now, I, I honestly would not really even recommend checking job boards right now. You are going to waste so much more time than is really relevant. Um, most of these companies are on hiring freezes right now. So even if they have job postings active that they've already paid for, they're not going to be actively fulfilling roles. They're going to be accepting resumes and you're going to waste a lot of time. Um, I would definitely call a company before you apply to them right now. Most of it though, um, is getting out there and talking to people and calling people. I've hired my recent dispatch people from actually having jobs postings online. Um, but in the past I have had someone call in 
they happened to call in within about an hour of me scolding one of our dispatch girls. And, you know, I decided, hey, you know, let's give it a shot. Come in. And we ended up switching over to her. She had no experience, but she called. She had good etiquette on the phone. And she said, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll come in. I'll work from home. I'll, I'll work all hours. You know, I'll do whatever it is. So her calling in was was got her that job. And you can do that with a lot of businesses, even just calling emergency businesses, businesses that are still open, calling and asking to speak with a hiring manager for five minutes and saying, hey, I need a job. Is there literally anything I can do? We'll open so many doors for you because they may say, you know, I don't really have anything, but what do you have experience in? Oh, my friend so-and-so will hire you to do this. Um, calling and talking to people especially now because you can't go in and physically talk to them is the best thing that you can do. There we go. So this is getting a little bit more into finding a job in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think we can maybe get back to some of the kind of starting your own business, making your own money or side income at least? Yeah. So um, there are a lot of different things within affiliate funnels, referring businesses, things like that. That many people think of as a small part of it, but you can scale it and make an entire business out of it, especially if you get really good at something and start hiring people under you. So I'll use an affiliate funnel example. Um, if you have pages online that you are posting to regularly and you're posting affiliate links, you can only do that so much. But what you can do is hire other people to do it. That is now a business. Now you can start hiring people and contracting people to post affiliate links and articles for other people. So I would say there's there's only so much that you can start at home right now just because of the economic times that we're in. But anything in the field of copywriting, affiliate links, article posting, designing, website development, business development, anything like that is up for grabs. Call companies. Say, hey, do you want me to post on your Facebook page? I'll make you videos at home. I'll try to make a viral video, anything like that. And then you can turn that into a business. Um, I will say that for some of those, uh, some people out there, this, a good example of taking advantage of time and situation and being able to turn that into a business would be right now, there are people who are paying to have their entire house sanitized. Um, I know that it costs several hundred dollars to sanitize a house. Well, get a couple respirators, uh, go out there, get a steam cleaner and start cleaning your neighbor's house in a full hazmat suit. Charge them extra. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of money. A vapor cleaner on Amazon is $180, $300 for a commercial cleaner. Charge everybody three to $400 a house to go and completely disinfect it. Then buy an ozone machine and start charging them $800 just to run an ozone machine in their house for one day. There are people who will do it. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of things that I would be looking towards if I was, you know, starting right now. There we go. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's a couple other, like the reason I think that I wanted you to come on was because I think over the course of the time that I have been following you on Twitter, I've seen you just post some like, Hey, here's this business you can start. This is how much it costs to get it started. Uh, this is how much you'll be making within the first month or so. I can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly what it was. It had something to do with like birds. I believe was the last one that I saw you post. Is that ringing a bell? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I talked about bird control. There we go. That's what it was. So I don't know if you want to go into that one at all. Um, Yeah, sure. So that's a really good example of a, of a situational business. Um, uh, Right now our country is under attack by these species of birds called starlings. They're an incredibly invasive species. There are 
several billion of them in the United States, and they have an affinity to go in venting systems on houses. Um, they cause a lot of damage. They bring in mites, which are like small fleas. Um, they create nests inside of dryer vents, which is a severe safety hazard. And they are something that people do not want. Um, they sit there and chirp. They're loud. They're really annoying. And they will wake you up in the middle of the night. So um, that is something that I posted about for a couple of hundred dollars. If you're even going crazy, you could start at $50. But a couple hundred dollars, you can get yourself a small ladder, a spray bottle, um, so a drill, and some garbage bags. Stick your hand in the, in the venting system, pull out the nest, put a cage over it to make sure they can't get back in, spray it, go on your way. Um, an example would be the other day I did a bird job, $800. It took me 15 minutes. Um, it cost me $30 to acquire that customer. It cost me about $3 in gas. Um, and there's a whole lot of profit margin. There. there we go. So really quickly, let's get into customer acquisition. Cause I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. They think, okay, I have this good business idea. I know there's a need for it. I just don't know how to acquire my customers. So can we get into your process for finding and then getting them to, you know, kind of pay, pay for your service. But before we get into that, I do just want to take a quick second to thank our third and final sponsor, Crypto.com. They've got a, a lot going on. Uh, so I do just want to cover three things today. The first two you guys already know about. Uh, that first one is the Visa MCO crypto card that allows you to spend your crypto and also earn 5% cash back on each purchase. They've also got a couple other perks uh, like unlimited airport lounge access and they'll pay for your Netflix and Spotify. But I think the most important one is up to 5% cash back on every purchase. There really isn't another credit card on the market that is paying that. Uh, the second thing is that they actually allow you to earn uh, by holding crypto so you can spend it, but you can also earn it uh, and they'll pay up to 6% annually on the bigs like Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, and then up to 12% annually on stable coins, which again is unheard of. Uh, you think of your everyday average savings account and you're earning less than 1%. Uh, versus the 12% you can be earning by holding stable coins. And then the last thing is that tax day is coming up. So crypto.com has partnered with three different accounting tax accounting services uh, that can really make things easier for you. They are Cointracker, CryptoTrader.tax, and TokenTax. Uh, so if you've traded any crypto or you know bought or sold any at all in the last year, uh, and you need help with your taxes, all of these services are wonderful. They're very cheap, uh, and Crypto.com has partnered with them to make it easier for you. So if any of these things sound interesting to you at all, there's a link in the description below. Head on over, check out the website, order one of those cards. I cannot stress this enough. You get up to 5% cash back on every single one of your purchases. Uh, but now that we've got all that taken away, sorry, taken care of, let's get. Yeah. So everybody who starts a business eventually will run into the giant brick wall. That is customer acquisition cost. 
you could have the greatest idea in the world, but if you don't have $10,000 to run ads so that one person buys a $10,000 product, you're in the hole. Um, so I specialize in community outreach and acquiring customers through inordinate means. So I run ads online, which gives me a lot of phone calls. I take that information. I help people out when I can. I offer a lot of advice. And then every time that I actually get in front of someone that I have paid to acquire, I will exhaust every option to continue that train. I offer people a percentage kickback if they refer me. Um, I ask everybody to post my information in Facebook groups. Um, to date, I have had one customer who is, runs like some kind of mommy group that I has referred me $170,000 in business. It, my average customer acquisition cost was $27. Cost me $27 to get $170,000 worth of business. So anything like that, go out, talk to people, give your card to anybody. But the biggest thing is getting people that you are in front of or that you are talking to to refer you to their friends for literally anything. Yeah, so I think that's the thing that people struggle with the most, myself included. I mean, my business is the podcast, and I think I have a lot of trouble reaching out to people and be like, hey, can you share this? Can you show this to people? That's where I struggle the most. Uh, but those referrals are where the bulk of a lot of people's business comes from. Uh, and I think you just need to, in uh, I guess the simplest terms, sack up and ask for that referral. Um, yeah. Or, or I will tell you, I have noticed there are two kinds of people. There are closers and there are acquirers. Um, I cannot acquire business to save my life when it's, when I'm just doing it cold. I don't like yeah. talking to new people. Um, I have a friend and business partner that I work with on Twitter who can literally get me in front of anybody that I ask. I don't know how he just talks to people. He knows everyone. It's it. ridiculous. Yeah. And, but, but he can't close. So I close, he acquires, right? So yeah. that's, you, you have to have a mental conversation with yourself. Are you a closer? Or are you an acquirer? If you're an acquirer, do your thing. If you're a closer, find an acquirer or find online systems that will acquire things for you, like running ads. There we go. And then, and uh, uh, just to spin off on that really quick, but I'm not an acquirer. So I offer other people to acquire business for me. So if a service costs $800 and I know that the average service I'm going to get from them is $800 and I offer to pay them a 10% referral fee, then I, how I position it to them is, hey, if you refer 100 people, you're going to earn back all of your money. And then they're like, well, I'm never going to acquire 100 people. Well, then acquire 50. Figure it out. I, that's how you get people to do it. You don't just say, hey, if you give me business, I'll give you 10%. You say, hey, if you give me this much business, guess what? This entire service is free. There we go. You so guys, think of things like that. You just got to kind of spin it a little. Uh, but even just going back to that point as a whole, I think offering some sort of kickback to people is a great way to acquire new business. Uh, Money makes the world go round. Exactly. You know, if I, if I do an excellent job for you, provide some service for you, you know, let's say it's I mow your lawn and it's perfect and I do it every single week chances are that, you know, he's not going to go tell his neighbor, Hey, I got this guy who mows my lawn. He would do it for you as well. If you ask, be like, Hey, you know, I offer X percentage. And like you were saying, you know, this service is now free. If you can refer this many people, um, yep. you know, it, it, it incentivizes them to go out and spread the word, uh, especially if you are providing a valuable service or a reliable service. Um, yep. 
So that's kind of a way to grow your business and acquire new customers. Uh, is there anything else that you think is important to starting up some of these smaller businesses that we may ha may not have talked about already? Because I feel like there's yeah, a the, lot. There's so much you, to starting a business. I could talk all day about it. Yeah, um, we could talk for days. Yeah. The biggest thing that everybody who is in business will tell you is just do it. Um, but not a, not, don't just do it to do it, do it with intent. Um, and then everything that you do the next week that you're doing it, do a, 10 times the amount that you're doing now. Um, everybody focuses on what's the name, what's the brand story, what's this? How about you don't even worry about any Fuck of that? that. Yeah. Come up with the first idea, write it on a piece of paper and then go build everything else and then come back to it because guarantee you by the time that you're ready to actually deliver a service or sell a product, you're going to have all that stuff figured out just naturally going through the process. So do everything with intent and just do it. Don't be afraid. Um, there are a lot of times where people get caught up. Is this legal? Am I, do I need a permit for this? Uh, do I have to have an LLC? All of that kind of stuff. If you bog yourself down talking about or thinking about those kind of things, you're never going to actually do anything. You're going to lose focus. You're going to move on. Just do it. Just start the business, start talking to people and then tell every single person you come in contact with what you do. You know, you sell logs on the internet. You're at the gas station, turn around and go, Hey, you need a log. Ha <laughs> ha. Why do I need a log? I don't know. I sell logs. <laughs> Guess what? They might know someone who needs a log. <laughs> It sounds kind of dumb, but it really is as simple as that, especially for small stuff and when you're first getting started. Uh, and like you're yeah. saying, you can scale and kind of figure out the details as you grow. Uh, but to just get started, it is as simple as, hey, I have this service. Do you need this? Or I have this product. Do you need it? Uh, yeah. One thing that you did mention there uh, was, you know, starting an LLC or starting a C Corp or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, do you have any tips or thoughts on that for someone who's starting very small? Cause I know you can just run a business as a sole proprietorship. You don't need to file anything. You can just add it to your regular tax return. Um, what are your thoughts on doing that versus actually getting an LLC started? I think that whatever is the easiest to start up with, do it, fix it later, break everything, fix it later. But you if you're breaking stuff, you're doing it right. Um, start as a sole proprietorship or get an LLC if you actually have liability. Um, if you don't have any liability in your business, then start as a sole proprietorship. There's no, there's no key to it or secret to starting a business in that regard. You just need to do it. Um, yeah. If it makes you feel better, file an LLC. If you're worried about people suing you, just file an LLC. Don't worry about doing it in Nevada or anywhere. Just file it in your state. If yeah. you need help with it, go down to the local business office and ask them about it. A lot of times they'll get you in contact with people who are not going to charge you any money and will advise you on exactly what you need to do. And worst case scenario, if you get a letter or you're doing something wrong, you have time to fix it. There we go. Yeah. I, you know, again, just really playing to the fact that so many people get caught up in the what ifs, what can and I can't do. Uh, and it, it kind of distracts them from the main purpose and main goal of starting this business. Um, yep. You know, any, anything else on that before we kind of move on on the whole, you know, starting a business? No, I think that's I think that's good. Um, I would say don't worry about money until you 
you like absolutely have to. Everybody focuses on do I need funding? Do I need to get a do I need to get a loan from the bank? Anything like that? Do literally everything you can without worrying about money, and then worry about money later on. If you're doing good service, the money will come. Um, it'll be difficult, but don't feel like you have to get funding from a business or from a bank or from a venture capitalist to start a business. Just do it. Yeah. No. See, this episode was starting stuff that's gonna net you like an extra thousand dollars a month to start, you know, just very small side income. You know, I want to be able to help as many people as possible kind of take that leap and just get started because it's, it's very strange for people like you and I to think that there are others out there who have never started any kind of business as small or big as it is. No one's flipped, you know, candy bars or, you know, started a little landscaping business or mowed lawns or sold lemonade and it's weird for people like you and I to talk about it. Uh, and for the people who are very business oriented, they're, they're thinking very big. Uh, but I just want to, you know, get everybody interested in this kind of stuff. Now, one thing that I did also want to talk about was, you know, everybody's stuck inside. You've got your mask on right now. Um, do you think we could maybe run through a couple businesses that you think people could start from, you know, this kind of everybody's stuck inside, everyone's a little bit lonely, that kind of thing. Do you have any of those just off the top of your head that you think, you know, people can just get out there and start? Yeah. Uh, school's out. Parents are going crazy. Buy a bunch of bouncy houses on Amazon and rent them out to people and then charge them extra money to sanitize after the fact. They don't care. They're not used to having their kids screaming, running around, going crazy all day while they're sitting inside trying to do work. There we go. Um, do that. Do sanitation. Um, look up ozone treatments, enzyme treatments, anything in the regards to sanitation. Um, dog walking, kid watching. Um, Grocery delivery anything. was one that has come to mind in recent days. Yeah. I know there's apps and stuff for it, but there's a lot of stuff with these people stuck inside. They're scared to go outside. They don't want to go outside. Uh, they're worried about this virus. And I know it's it's kind of, I don't want to say schemey, to kind of play on the fact that, you know, people's emotions are running high, but there are business opportunities to capitalize on right now. A hundred percent. Make masks at home, sell them, Um, you know, get get the local crochet club involved and get them to sew you up some masks and sell them. It's one thing to buy out all of the hand sanitizer in the world and try to charge an extra price for it. Fuck that guy. I know which guy you're talking about. Fuck that guy. Yeah. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to take advantage of something that is worrying people and make them feel better about it. Um, You know, like running an ozone treatment, a lot of people don't need it, but people are very worried about it and they will pay you for it. Um, Anything like that. There we go. Yeah, it's it. There is a fine line, but there is a difference. And I think just when you think about it, and you know, take a take a minute to kind of um, reflect on it, you can kind of see the differences between you know going and selling hand sanitizer on Amazon for fifty times the price, and going in and disinfecting somebody's house. You know, there there's yeah. it's a little bit of a fine line, but I think there are things that you can do morally and ethically that are okay. Uh, and then there are things that are just taking advantage of the con- the situation outright. Yep. Um, okay, so I always like to ask my guests this because um, I want to see what's in their pipeline and what they're excited for. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on you know the entire financial market in the next twelve months? And then also, do you have anything big in your pipeline? 
Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about the next 12 months. Um, everything's going to melt down and then we're going to recover and everybody's going to get complacent again and thinks everything's good. And then we're going to see one of the biggest socioeconomic shifts that we're going to have ever seen. Um, I think that it's going to get very crazy and that the people that are smart about it are going to be able to capitalize on it and then get through it. Um, I think that right now is the best time to gain knowledge and experience and things that are outside of your box. If you are worried about if you, what you currently do is going to still be around, do something else. Um, but that's, that's it on that. Um, see what's in my pipeline. Um, well, uh, a lot of the excess small stuff that I normally would do is on hold. Um, the biggest thing that I'm focused on is actually not really business related um, is I'm going to be starting a new homestead farm pretty soon. So that'll be nice. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so not, not anything to do with business. You're kind of taking a little breather from that, which is fantastic. I feel like everybody needs it at some point. Um, and you've decided to focus on other things. Uh, I also think that we are going to see a meltdown. I think everyone thinks we're going to see a financial meltdown, which is a little bit concerning to me because, you know, there's that saying that, you know, it happens when people least expect it. Um, yeah, well, that's that's why I said I think that everyone's expecting this cataclysmic apocalyptic meltdown. It's not going to happen right now. Yeah, um, it is going to happen when everybody wakes up and realizes what actually happens during this time in our history. Um, it eventually will come. It has to come. We need a refresh. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. I, I, I can very much, I already am seeing people kind of getting over the initial fears of the virus and this kind of sell-off that we've seen. I could very much see us kind of going back to normal, making it to near or all-time highs, uh, and then earnings start to cruise in from prior quarters when, you know, sales mm -hmm. were down, sell-offs have happened. Um, you know, layoffs have happened. People aren't spending as much because they've been laid off. Uh, and these take, yeah. you know, a quarter or two to show. So I think, yeah, you're, you're going to see a lot of people getting kind of back into the swing of things. Things are going to go back to normal. And then that's when shit's going to start to hit the fan. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to realize all of this excessive nonsense in their lives is not something that they they fundamentally need. And that's where you get in an economy that drives off of the excess goes into a little bit of a pickle. Um, people are going to be more focused on how can I make sure that how I'm living is sustainable versus buying their avocado toast and drinking mimosas on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Hey, man, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're buying it from the store and not going out to brunch and spending $15 on your brunch. That's No, that's what I mean is yeah. going out. Wednesday morning yeah, I make avocado toast all the time at my house. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't have fifteen dollars for, for someone in a dirty beanie to to serve it to me. You're wearing a dirty beanie. I, I love I, it. I love it. No, but I, I think you're very right. I think people are gonna start to realize that a lot of us are living in excess uh, and they're yep. gonna really scale back and it's gonna be a huge hit to the economy in my opinion. Um so I always like to finish up with a biggest tip. I know you've talked about a lot of them already. You've said, you know, this is one of the most important things. Finding a mentor is, you said, one of the most important things. Uh, you know, getting out there, starting, not thinking about it, just moving fast and breaking things. Uh, but do you have any other overarching tips for anyone who wants to start a business 
tomorrow? Yes. Find as many like-minded, friendly people as you can and talk to them daily. Um, People think that just because they have an idea about a business that they're the first one and that they can't talk to anybody about it because they're going to steal their idea. Guess what? Not everybody is out to get you. And not everybody who comes up with an idea in the middle of the day while they're daydreaming is the first person to think about it. Don't be afraid. Just go make friends, talk to people, and diversify risk. Find out what you're good at and find other people who are good at the things that you are not good at. You will very quickly find in business that there are things that you are not good at. So find people who are good at it or find friends who are good at a bunch of different things and collectively come together. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole lot easier to be a part of six businesses that are in a group of six people and be able to coast through some of this turmoil in the economy than it would be if you had one business. You know, I have my primary source of income that luckily is not as affected by everything that's going on, but I also have money coming in from everywhere. If I got a call today and my entire business was dissolved, I would be okay. So um, that's the biggest thing is diversify, talk to other people, find what other people are doing, connect with them, help each other grow your businesses and give people a part of it. Don't be afraid to bring people in and, you know, collaborate with them. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as weird as it is and as much as I hate crypto Twitter, I think it's a wonderful hub for that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know how many DMs I've gotten where people have been like, hey, I've thought of this business idea, would love to run it by you. What are your thoughts on this? And like you were saying, you know, not everyone's out there to get you and to steal your business. I've had tons of people come to me with wonderful ideas And I'm like, wow, I wish I could have thought of that or I should maybe do that. But then I'm like, "Ah, I have, you know, so much other stuff going on in my life that I just want to help them get it up and running. There's no need. I see no need for me to go out and try to start that business myself. And I know there are plenty of people out there like that. I'm sure if I reached out to you with some questions about a new business I was thinking of, you wouldn't be rushing out there to start it. You know, the next day you'd be like, hey, let me help you in in any way I can I've had multiple people DM me on businesses that are semi-related to something that I'm doing that I'm well within my means and my knowledge to completely execute their entire plan. And I don't, I don't need to, I don't have time to, I don't want to, I want other people to prosper. And that's why I do what I do. I talk to a lot of people. I get a lot of DMs like you about people who are looking to start businesses. They want advice. They want all of that stuff. Collaborate with people. I'll point people, if I don't know something, I'm like, hey, go talk to this person or go, you know, go look here, call this person, do this, all that kind of stuff. Talk to people. Somewhere along the line, you're going to be able to utilize that connection for your benefit. Yeah, that's. I think that's my favorite thing about this show is that I've had a hundred entrepreneurs and traders on who have all taught me something about the business, but more importantly, they've kind of created this network for me where somebody will reach out and be like, hey, I'm thinking about running this sort of business. I'm like, hey, listen to this episode that I put out and then go reach out to them and they will help you get it up and running. I guarantee it. And it's just been wonderful to connect people in this community who are all kind of like-minded. And I feel like you have a network very similar to that because you're kind of in the, you know, business entrepreneurial sector, um, which is just fantastic to hear. Um, so I think that that is pretty much a perfect way to end this episode. 
Uh, I usually like to offer and say, you know, my DMs are open. It kind of sounds like yours are as well. Would it be okay if someone's having some thoughts to reach out to you and kind of run some stuff by you? Yeah, no, anybody can feel free to DM me. My only thing is, uh, there is like, it, there is a higher chance of Bitcoin going to absolutely zero tomorrow than me actually responding to your DM on the first time. <laughs> I will not be offended if you message me multiple times to just kind of bump it. Um, I am frequently busy. I'll look at my phone. I'll read the DM. I'll formulate my entire response and then I'll put my phone down because I get busy. Um, anybody can DM me. I'm more than happy to help. It just may take a little while. Um, and don't feel, don't feel bad about bumping it up. If you send me 20 messages, I'm going to block you immediately. If you ask stupid questions, though. there we go. So yeah, that was the one thing that I always like to kind of add to that is don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't come to us, you know, just completely blind with the easiest, most simple question that you can Google in two seconds. Uh, because I'm yeah. very busy. I know you're very busy. If you come to me and you just say, Hey, how do I do this? Like I've had so many people reach out saying, how do I start an Amazon business? I'm just like, dude, fuck you. Like I have multiple <laughs> episodes on it. There are multiple yeah. resources online. Come with some pointed questions and I am more than happy to walk you through anything. I will take the time out. That kind of stuff is as important to me as some of the stuff that I'm doing with my business. Uh, because it does create another relationship. And that's kind of the biggest thing about my online business, podcast, persona, whatever you want to call it, is building these relationships online. Uh, and I love to do it with those kind of people. So come to us with questions that you've kind of thought about, that you've researched. Don't just come with the, hey, how do I start this business? Yep. Yep. Perfect. All right. So is there anything else that you'd like my audience to know before we go? There is money in literally every single interest, niche, hobby, anything out there in the world. It is your fault if you cannot find a way to make money on it. I don't care what it is. There's money everywhere. Love it. I, I love it. 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 In this world of excess, in this economy of excess, there's always a place where you can at least just arbitrage some stuff and yep. buy from someone at this price and sell to them at another price. And nobody else is doing it because sometimes it's just too boring of a business. So yep. lo lo love that you're saying that there's money out there pretty much everywhere because it's so true. And uh, I think people think that we live in this, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the words to describe it, this perfect society and this perfect economy where everything is at equilibrium, but that's not the case in any sense of the word. No, there is money in down markets and in up markets. It is up to you to find it. There we go. Perfect. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for sitting down. I really appreciate you just running through a couple businesses that my audience can start. And I, I really do hope some people take this episode to heart and they get out there and start a little side business of their own. Go do it. All right. Perfect. Gonna stop the recording really quick. Again, again, man, I, 